whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Friends, Karen Pennington here, and if you are looking at me on YouTube, you will see that my eyes are a little bit smudgy, maybe. <laughs> I have been weeping a little this morning. It was a good weeping. It was a good weeping. A couple days ago, I did a post where I talked about I get like a, I don't know, a weird emotional breakdown. Like twice a year, maybe, I just get so overwhelmed with stress that I'm just like, ah, and it read like a release valve. And I cry, and then it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of people that I can talk to about stuff. I, I try to be you know, healthy about talking things out, but just once or twice a year, it really gets to me. So it's not that I don't cry more than twice a year. I cry a lot. I'm a weeper, but I cry because I'm moved a lot. I, I get moved about so much. I get, I mean, it's ridiculous. I'll see a good commercial and just be moved by it, and I cried for cat food commercials. I don't even like cats and I'll cry at a cat food commercial. Probably my absolute low point with being emotionally moved was when I was pregnant. So I had an excuse and I was at a Christian comedy show and I was thinking, this guy is so good. And I just had to like leave so I wouldn't weep because I was so excited that I liked this show. I just, I feel things very deeply and it's mostly a gift, but it can be off-putting if you don't know me. Or most mostly amusing. My husband laughs at me when I see you know a moment in in a television program where someone asks somebody to marry him, and I just tears come in my eyes, and he laughs at me. And my theory is that he wants to cry too, but he keeps from crying by laughing at me. I'm just saying. But so, anyways, I do. I, I'm overcome with emotion a lot, and this morning I just needed to take time to stop and be with God. I We're supposed to do that every day. I try to be that every day. I certainly sense God every day. I certainly feel God's grace every day. That's been a gift uh, personally to me that I I can't remember a time when I wasn't very keenly aware of God's love for me. Uh, there are times that I felt horrible, but keenly aware of God's love for me. But I think uh, I often, often get in that um, trap I'm seeking after God. I'm seeking after God's presence. Well, after God's insight. And I'm so into the seeking, 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 seeking that I get like really caught up in the details and I forget to rest in God. I forget to just be with God. I, I did that as a young wife a lot with my husband where we would just kind of be, you know, I'd be laying in his arms watching the moonlight and I'd go, what are you thinking? And he'd go, nothing how can you think nothing and then all of a sudden I'm like ruining the moment how can you think nothing how can you he's like well now I'm thinking something he was thinking I wish you'd stop talking and I do that and I just I couldn't just enjoy the being with him because well you have to be going somewhere you have to be doing something right and then I turn into like this gerbil and I don't like treadmills because I like to know that I'm going somewhere. I love walking. 
but I have to have a destination. Even if I'm walking a half a mile to go get a bottle of water that I have at my house anyways, I'll go to the store that's five blocks away from me four or five times a week just because I need a destination when I walk and I'll get three things at a time. But I have to have a destination. And the thing about treadmills is you're running and you're running harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And at the end, you've gotten nowhere and you're just tired, you know? And obviously there's a point to treadmills, but I don't like them just because of that, that idea. And also because I'll fall off them because I'm not coordinated. I, that's happened. Yeah, that's happened to me before. But I, I feel like I get that way in life too sometimes. I just... It's like I'm trying to do things and I feel like I've been on a treadmill that I've just expelled energy and expelled energy and expelled energy and more 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 and I've gotten nowhere but tired. Have you ever felt that way? You know, I just, I've gotten nowhere but tired and that's usually the point at which the anxiety has come in, came in, comes in. That's usually the point at which I'm like, wait, I thought I was moving forward and I'm just sitting still. But I'm really not sitting still. I'm expelling energy. Uh, I'm learning that sometimes the most productive thing you can do is sit still. Now there's a season for that. There's a season for that. But it says in Psalm 46, Psalm 46, 10 or 11, you can look it up. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And there's a point at which to just be still and to rest. That's why... Jesus even sat and rested with God, you know, before he went to the cross, which was the hardest thing any human or anything, anyone had done in all time in history, to go to the cross to pay for the world's sin, to suffer all that physical, emotional, spiritual, every kind of thing. Even Jesus Christ himself had to just sit with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. There were so many quote-unquote productive things he could have done, but he just had to sit with him. See, sometimes we think we're going somewhere. Sometimes we think we're out running what it is that we think is holding us back when we're really just moving to a different location and carrying it with us. I was a substitute teacher for three, four, four years, I guess, altogether. It's kind of a weird thing to call to define yourself by. It's usually an in-between job. I, I realized there was certain a, call, a certain calling for me to it. Certainly not the pay, about the lowest paying job you can have. Uh, certainly not the prestige. <laughs> in high school, I figured the worst job ever would be a substitute teacher. But there's a certain enjoyment that I have in it, uh, partly because it frees me to do other things when I'm not a substitute teacher, partly because I, I do enjoy it. But one thing that I enjoyed about it is that I could go to school, I could do something that was needed, I could show love to people, I could be a support um, I was appreciated because not a lot of people like doing the job. And at the end of the day, I could go home. And I, I had this badge. It was a temporary badge. Um, I'm about to start a more permanent position. I just got a permanent badge for the whole year. But I would get a one-day badge. It just says substitute number one, substitute number three, substitute number four. And at the end of the day, I handed that badge in. I did not have to take the job home with me. Usually, more often than not, I went on to a different job the next day. Sometimes it'd be a couple of days that I'd have it, and I just have that badge. But then, I, 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 every day, you give it back at the end of the day, you leave the job there, you leave the stress there, you walk home to something other, otherwise. 
Well, I'm sure I have at least two, if not three of those badges. <laughs> I try not to, but there have been some times when I just took that identity home with me. You know, and, and that reminds me, you know, sometimes there are things we think we're walking away. You know, I thought I was walking away from everything that had to be with a substitute this day. And I walk, because I like to walk the mile and a half home or the mile home or the five blocks home, wherever I was, and realized I brought it home with me right in my backpack. I love backpacks. Uh, good ones. And uh, I think we do that as well. Sometimes we strive and strive and strive and we don't even realize we're outrunning this. We're trying to outrun the stress. But all we're doing is carrying the stress with us and, and getting nowhere. And what we really need to do is give it to God. It's not always about getting rid of everything it's about getting to God and giving it to God and having him created into something that's useful take the parts that aren't helpful and create it into something useful uh, and to be honest about it to be honest about it uh, the other day a couple days ago I talked about a little breakdown I had with the, the tears were they were not worshipful tears like this morning not an awareness of God's presence tears just I can't take it and I'm like <sighs> and I'm talking really quick and I'm having this panic I'm like I'd like talk myself into a panic attack. So I did, and um, because I try to be honest, what was going through like came out in, um, in my post. And a friend of mine, uh, I don't know whether he sent me some sort of message and said, I'm really sorry about all the stress you're going through. I could, I could sense it. And it made me feel first vulnerable, like, oh my goodness, people can see me. And and it almost made me feel like, well, maybe I need to be more happy. And then I, I immediately got rid of that because this whole thing is about being authentic. If you're looking at anything I hear her say and go, man, she's got it all together. I wish I could be as happy as she was. I wish I could be as successful as she was. If you somehow see me as like a standard of having every problem solved and always, you know, being in a good mood or whatever. I, I'm a generally happy person, but I have really bad days and really bad moments and and if you see me as anything other than somebody who is struggling with integrity joy but also flaws if you see me as anything other than that I'm, I'm doing it wrong I'm doing it wrong because we're in this together so maybe it's good that you see when okay she's getting to be a little downer lately or she seems a little stressed out, and then it's good for me because people who are my friends will tell me, and then I address it like I did this morning, and I can kind of come back to that place. But I think that that's actually biblical. I've found a little bit of encouragement, and that's the right way to be, but it's also biblical for me not to stay there. It's biblical. If I start carrying around something in my backpack that I'm supposed to be leaving at the feet of Christ... And if I start running with this heavy weight on me and I'm not sitting at Christ's feet, then I'm turning into this, I don't know whether you want to call me a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle because I have this big backpack or a gerbil or use whatever analogy or whatever metaphor you want to use for me, but it's not what God wants for me for the best. God wants me to rest. And so I'm, I'm looking at Psalm 55 and as I read it, this is, this is a psalm of King David. He is in a full-on panic attack. I mean, there's absolutely no way that you can say he is saying this with calmness. He's in a full-on panic attack before God. And he 
has to be honest about it. Now, I told you about like a little anxiety, mini anxiety attack I had, just a mini one, um, a couple days ago. He was in the middle of it when he's writing this. He was not feeling great. And he was honest about it. And, you know, I talked myself up. He seemed to be talking himself down. And he had really good reason for it. Uh, he had really good reason for it. It looks like he talks at one point. Again, this is Psalm 55, and this is the Common English Bible version. Uh, it, at one point, he switched from talking to God to talking to this person who had betrayed him. It said, it's not my enemy that's insulting me. I, I could handle that. It's not someone who hates me, who's exalted over me. I could hide from them. No, it's you, my equal, my close companion, my good friend. It was so pleasant when together we entered God's house with the crowd. Can you hear his anguish? There's a really good chance that David's talking about Saul here. Coming from the father who actually forgot when, when, a, when the prophet Samuel went in First Samuel 16 to anoint one of Jesse's children as king over Israel. Jesse brought all of his sons except for David. He forgot him. Oh yeah, there's just David. He's out in the field. To a king who made him the head of his army. So Saul was really that friend, that father figure, the one who promoted him. The one who gave him the shot against Goliath when nobody else even thought he was worth fighting. You know, that he was worthy to fight or be in the army. And, you know, so really the person that elevated him was this person that's tearing him down, saying nice words to him and then trying to have him killed. And he's in anguish over that, you know? And it's more than just anguish. I, I want to read what he says at the beginning. Um, try to listen. This is, this is not someone talking about a panic attack. This is someone having an anxiety attack. Pay attention. Answer me. I can't sit still while complaining. I'm beside myself over the enemy's noise. At the wicked person's racket because they bring disaster on me and harass me furiously. My heart pounds in my chest because death's terrors have reached me. Fear and trembling have come upon me. I'm shaking all over. Not I used to shake. Not I was feeling bad. I am shaking all over like right now, present tense. I say to myself, I wish I had wings like a dove. I'd fly away and rest. I'd run so far away. I'd live in the desert. Selah. We don't know what that word means, but some people think it's a word of rest. I don't think it is right now. I'd hurry to my hideout, far from rushing the rushing wind and storm. I want to run. I want to hide. I can't. I have to sit still. I have to move. I can't. I don't know what to do. I'm shaking as I'm reading this. He's freaking out. King David. The mighty warrior who conquered the giant, who killed thousands of Philistines. At this point, he's probably living in a cave or the wilderness, the outlaw. At this point, or at least he's talking about it, he's being betrayed by a friend. Maybe it's Saul. Maybe it's one of the many times that people he was supposed to trust went against him. Maybe it's a time the Bible hasn't written about. He was a king. People betrayed him, you know. But here's the most interesting word in this entire chapter for me. is right at the beginning. You know those parts at the beginning of Psalms sometimes where they say what they're about? It says for the music leader. So this is a song. 
Have you ever sang a song where you're like, God, I'm trembling. I'm full of anxiety. I want to run away. That's not usually the worship song you sing on Sunday morning. <laughs> but it says for the music leader. So with stringed instruments. <laughs> now I'm thinking about a little heart playing. I just want to hide. It, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't match up. But then here's the next part. A mask hill of David. It didn't say King David, so maybe he is in a cave at this point. A mask hill. Now we don't know exactly what that word mask hill is, but the theory is that it's a teaching term. See, some songs were specifically to praise. Some songs were, songs were specifically to lament. Some psalms had history in them. A lot of different psalms specifically had purposes. And if most of the experts are right, Maskell was a song of teaching. And this teaching psalm was one where he was freaking out. Freaking out! First 15 verses. I'm not even going to read that middle part where he's talking about wanting all of his enemies to die. I just can't handle this guy. Just shoot him all down. Let me run away and you shoot him down. I don't have this. You got this. You know, those are usually the things nowadays that people are saying we shouldn't be. No, no, we have to have a very proper. We're not allowed to say I'm really angry at these people and I wish they would just go away. I want him defeated. I want him gone. But this is a teaching. Teaching song. I'm freaking out. I'm shaking. I can barely sit here. <sighs> this is teaching. That's how we're supposed to be? <laughs> Maybe this is how we are sometimes. It's better to sit at God's feet and be honest and tremble. Let him take that baggage that you were supposed to leave somewhere else. Let him take that. So that when you do move, you can go somewhere. So that when you do seek, it's that you, it's God's presence you're seeking, and not something else because you're so weighed down by things that you shouldn't even own, that I shouldn't even own. I'll tell you this morning, one of the things that made me weep was just being in God's presence, just not having to have the answer, and when I was just thinking about how great God was and how beautiful he was. And I did have to confess there was some resentment in me. Um, not huge resentment, just things that I had already thought I'd left at the altar that I picked back up because of stress and anxiety. And I started to remember past things that were done to me. I mean, it's crazy. Sometimes we forgive somebody once. Sometimes we have to forgive the same thing 15 times, 20 times, 70 times 7. Because we keep picking back up that judgment because when we're feeling out of control, we want something to control. So we pick up the thing that we think we can control and then that controls us. <sighs> Going into a frenzy again. So David's in a frenzy. I don't believe it's as a masculine or a teaching of this is how you should be. But sometimes this is where we are. So let's just be honest about it. Let's say, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. Sit in front of him. Don't outrun it. Don't keep it in your backpack and carry it around with you. Sit down, take your backpack off, and unpack it, you know? God, this is where I am. 
But then there's this wonderful word that often changes between the beginning and the end of these psalms of lament, these psalms of anger, these psalms of freak out. Maybe we should call them the freak out psalms. But, 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 starting with uh, Psalm 55, 16. But I call out to, the, to God and the Lord will rescue me. At evening, morning, and midday, I complain and moan so that God will hear my voice. Huh. I complain and moan so that God will hear my voice. This is an instruction. Because <laughs> guess what? God can handle it. He saves me unharmed from my struggle. There are, there are many who are out to get me. God who is enthroned from ancient days will hear and humble them because they don't change and they don't worship God. And then he talks a couple times about his enemies. About the friend who turned on him. Verse 21, though his talk is smoother than butter, war is in his heart. Though his words are more silky than oil, they are really drawn swords. This very well could be Saul, because Saul would say, David, my son, is that you? Right while he's sending people to kill him. Oh, you are more holy than I am. Right while he's planning the attack. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will support you. God will never let the righteous be set. Shaken. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will support you. God will never let the righteous be shaken. Sometimes I don't cast. Sometimes I hold it in. Sometimes I try to be brave and I try to be strong and I try to just put forth a good face, a good attitude. I feel like I'll be a burden. I feel like I'll be weak. I feel like somehow it shows a lack of faith when I say, this makes me very angry. I'm struggling. I'm freaking out because I need to be a good example for everyone. But then I look at this. Arguably the greatest warrior in history. Most, one of the most godly warriors in history. Least has to be maybe top 20, top 10. People know about him all over. This warrior who's also this man of God who also had anxiety attacks. This man after God's own heart who said three times a day I complained to him. Three times a day. Three times a day I tell him how frustrated I am. Three times a day I tell him angry and upset and sad I am. I tell three times a day I bring to him anything that's in my backpack that I shouldn't be carrying. And then he takes it. And instead of me trying to support this load that I'm not meant to carry, God supports me. Friends, it's okay to feel weak. I certainly do a lot. It's okay to admit that you had a struggle, that you had a mistake. In fact, know that you are so valued that when you say you're struggling, that's not a sign of your value, and a sign of your lack of value. Excuse me, 
lack of value, but rather be encouraged that you have a God who loves you so much that he wants to hear that. He wants the honor of sharing it, of taking it from you and replacing it with something that's much easier to carry. We think about the Christian life sometimes as something being difficult or hard or burdensome. And from a worldly sense, yeah, sometimes we have struggles. Sometimes in this moment, it's harder to do the right thing than the wrong. But there's a freedom and a lightness that comes from it because we can get rid of that other stuff. And because in the midst of this lifting and bearing, we have this co-laborer in Christ who gets most of it, who gets to take most of the burden. And we have this joy and we have the ability to say, hey, the pressure is off me. My job is to love and to receive and to speak and live by the truth. That's it. That's it. And while that may seem hard, it's certainly a lot easier than carrying the burdens of the world or trying to have to accomplish something on your own. God will always do it for us and in us and through us. All we have to do is be honest and love and obey. That's it. It's the hardest and easiest thing in the whole world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. I'm so glad, God, that I don't have to be totally put together. I'm so glad that I can be a mess and you can still anoint me. I'm excited about the journey and there are points, Lord, where I'm just overcome with anxiety. But I'm grateful that we can just leave it at your feet, Lord. I'm grateful that we don't have to be defined by what we accomplish but by whose we are, Lord Jesus. Help us all to rest in here today. Forgive me for striving and running on that, like a gerbil on that treadmill, and not just stopping to rest in you and allow you to take the burdens and make them your own. I want your yoke, God, and I want you to take mine. I want your rest, Lord. And I hear you say the words of Matthew eleven thirty three. Come to me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. The yoke I will give you is easy, and the burden I will give you is light. We claim that today, Lord Jesus. We want to give you the heaviness that we're carrying and take the lightness that you would give us, that, that tiny yoke that just gently guides us and supports us, Lord. May you be glorified. May those who don't know you seek you and find you this very day in your name. Amen. Be blessed.